throat there, and I can't seem to get it out. Uh, if we can get a couple of men to come, we'll take up the morning offering. <coughs> I got a drink of water, and that didn't fix it. That seems to fix your problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Irwin, would you order a prayer? Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. Let me thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. Yes, amen. Lord, and the promise of increasing rain. We just ask, Lord, you watch over us. God, direct us with the gifts you bring us the message this morning. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we ask you to take this offering to be sufficient for your work. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Miss Martha. I appreciate it. We were discussing all the attributes of the Bridgeport water system here. Yeah. At our house, it goes through so many filters. I'm, I'm surprised it ever actually gets to the tap, you know. And uh, people in my family still won't drink it out of the tap. They're like, we got to go buy bottled water. We got to do this. We got to do that. So, anyways. Uh, Water snobs. I live with water snobs is what it boils down to, and I drink it out of the tap. I just don't mind it. Occasionally I drink it while I'm in the shower. You probably didn't know that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right, folks, we got done with uh, lesson one last week, so we're going to start today on lesson two. Got a couple things here that I'd like to uh, read to you to start off with before we get the lesson going. It'll kind of get you in the uh, kind of get you in the mood and kind of get you where you understand what we're going to be talking about. Let's see, you already know what we're talking about. We're talking about stewarding time. So, anybody ever um, hear of a, a fellow named Al Stewart? He was a famous songwriter during the 70s. Time Passages was one of the songs that he wrote. You ever hear of him, Dave? You were you listened to that kind of music back in the day, didn't you? I oh you didn't. Okay, rock and roll guy. I, A kind of an in well, Al Stewart probably would have been one of those kind of folks. Anyway, I, I st <laughs> bread, is that what you said? Yeah, David Gates and bread. I, I love their music. I still, you guys think what you want about me. Maybe you'll look at me and go, I don't even know if you're saved or not, Jeff. But I still listen to that kind of music, 70s and 80s ballot kind of music and what have you. As a matter of fact, I've seen a thing here just came out in a little ad or something I had on, on uh, YouTube or something I was looking at there, said that Billy Joel just wrote another ballad song, a, a very good, and I'm anxious to listen to it because I kind of like some of his uh, 
some of his music. Some of these folks, um, I, I do a kind of a, uh, this, is, this is really down a rabbit hole, but I want to tell you this so I can kind of defend myself a little bit here on this stuff. But I, I, like to, I like to watch this music on YouTube. I love to see these people singing this, these, these songs. But then I do a little bit of an in-depth study and I try to find out what their purpose was in writing it. And I'll tell you, some of these folks, I don't know anything about Al Stewart. I haven't looked up any of his thing. But uh, um, some of these guys, you find out that later on in their life, they end up with just an amazing testimony. And, and they get saved, and they change their ways, and they do. I, I might have mentioned something about that with, uh, um, there was that guy that wrote that, that uh, album, Slow Train of Coming. And he, who, who, Bob Dylan, right? I think it was Bob Dylan, that real raspy boy. I never, ever listened to any of that guy's music. I thought, that guy, how is he a singer? He, I have a better voice than him. I don't know how this guy is doing. All. And, um, and so anyway, you start looking into Bob Dylan, and man, that guy has got a beautiful testimony. I'm certain, I think he might have died. And so I'm pretty certain he's in heaven based on his testimony. And there's several of these other people that I've run across here. And when you get to looking at them, you go, man, this is really, really pretty, pretty cool stuff. The way that they've turned their life over to the Lord and they've changed. Alice Cooper. Everybody know who that guy is? Amazing testimony to hear that man speak about the Lord and all of his, uh, you know, what he did there. Johnny Cash, I think a bunch of those guys are all kind of the same way. So anyway, this, um, this Al Stewart wrote this song, Time Passages, and it's, it's got some neat, uh, neat lyrics here. Uh, it, the very start of it is, well, late in December, the sky turned to snow all around the day was going down slow. Night like a river beginning to flow. And I felt the beat of my mind drifting into time passages. And then the rest of this song is just about different things that come up and how this time is fleeting. And it just goes by and it ticks away and it just sits there and there's really not anything you can do about it. It gets used up whether we use it for anything purposeful or not. And, uh, and so that's kind of what this whole, what this whole uh, series and what this whole thing about our next lesson here is about. We're in stewarding life, and this part of the thing is stewarding time. And so it starts off in the text, Ephesians 5, and, and everybody, should have a new, everybody should have a new sheet there to fill in your blanks and everything. But it starts off here in, in the, the text of this is going to be Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. And, and it says here, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So then, that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so we talk about those sort of things here, what, what God's will is for our life. We pray about that. We search scripture to try to kind of figure out sometimes what God is wanting us to, um, wanting us to do. Here, so I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to just look into um, uh, this re redeeming the time, what this means in the evil days and what have you. And so I looked up a commentary about it here. And... It says, redeem means to buy up for oneself or to buy up an opportunity. When connected to time, it means to buy or take advantage of an opportunity. Since we are dealing with time and it inexorably passes on, 
We must make the most of each opportunity. If an opportunity is missed, it cannot be recalled. Just like the last second, just the, the time that I might have just wasted talking about music and songwriters and all that stuff, it's gone. It's in the past, can never get it back. Water under the bridge, over the dam, however you want to put it, those sort of things. But time is a, is a thing that just keeps, just keeps clicking away here. Paul might as well be saying God's way is not just for a few hours on a Sabbath, but the will of the Lord applies in every situation in life. He is urging us to take advantage of every situation to imitate God. Every second of our lives is precious in the building of a godly character. This has nothing to do with literally gaining time. It may be illustrated, though, with the example of a savvy merchant who takes advantage of every opportunity to make a profit. Businessmen often say, strike while the iron is hot. Or in our consumer culture, we watch the advertisements to take advantage of a sale. How can we determine how to take advantage of time? In much the same way we take advantage of a sale. You watch and you look for opportunities. You look at all these different things here. So I'm not going to read you the rest of the commentary, but it goes on kind of to say the same sort of thing here about, uh, about how we do our time. And then that led me into looking into a couple other things about, uh, about time. My mother when I was growing up, she used to make this comment about me. She says, out of all of our six children, Jeff is never bored. Jeff is, he's never idle. He's always doing something. Now, now what I was doing <laughs> wasn't probably all that good most of the time. But, you know, to me, when I look back on that in my life, that was a compliment that my mom was giving me. I did not waste time. I was always doing something. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. It, it, was, uh, it was something. And so when I see, when I see um, uh, articles, and I kind of look back on this, and one of the things he's going to mention in the, in the text here is he's going to say, people use a, a terminology and they'll say something along the lines of, we're just hanging around. Or we're just killing time. Boy, when you start looking at what a precious commodity time is, you don't want to kill any of it. You want to be making sure that you're, you're doing the, the right things. So I looked up, this, I looked up an article. I, kind of, I wrote into a Google search bar, killing time. What can you do to kill time? All this stuff. Two billion pages of stuff later, there's, here's how you waste time. Boy, what a... What a sad state of affairs. Here's how you waste time. So I, I, I've, several of these articles were actually written during the pandemic, right? And this one was written by some gal, Cassie Reichert. And um, she writes, currently times are strange and all these different things. But, uh, but here, here's some things that you can do. And these are just thought-provoking things. And I have actually done some of these. And, um, and now, probably much to my shame, maybe, but um, here's something you can do. Have a movie marathon. You ever done that? Sat and watched for like a whole Saturday and then going into Sunday sometimes, a series or something. Clean your room. Or there's something you can do to kill some time, right? I wish my kids would kill some of that time. But um, anyway, go for a walk. There's, there's a nice thing to do. Make a TikTok. I'm not even sure what that means. That's some kind of a thing out on the internet, I suppose. Start a YouTube channel. Yeah, you could do that. That might be something that's not killing time. It might be very good if what you do on your YouTube channel is witness to people. You know, somebody was saying here, I, I think it was Paul Chappell, as a matter of fact, in the last lesson, he talked about he goes out and sometimes posts scripture out on, out on his YouTube channel. Um, unlock everything on your Mario Kart. 
Boy, now there is a gigantic waste of time. Yeah, I played that with my kids a couple of times, and I'm, I don't like that little Italian guy running around, and whatever he's doing there doesn't make any sense to me. So get ahead on your classwork. That's good. Read a book. You always read a book. Do a virtual exercise class. Play a board or a card game with your family. That's fun. We enjoy that in our family. That's some good, good uh, valuable time. Rearrange your furniture. How many people just sit around and rearrange their furniture just to have something to do? I, I, our furniture has been sitting in the same spot since we moved in, I think, and I think some of it even needs to be straightened out a little bit. Teach yourself to play an instrument. That'd be good. That's the only regret that I have in my life is that I'd never learned how to play any kind of an instrument. I'd love to be able to sit at that piano and play that thing or a guitar or something of this nature. Listen to podcasts. That can be good if it's, if it's good scriptural uh, type stuff. Bake something. That's good. You know, binge, binge, binge the shows you always wanted to watch. Anytime you see that word binge in something you're supposed to do, I can almost guarantee you it's not a good thing to be, be doing. Catch up on the 16,527 unread emails you have. Yeah. So one day, I'll tell this story. This is fun. We were down at the AT&T store one day, right? And the little girl running the store there was so busy, she couldn't get to my problem. All I needed to do was, like, update a SIM card or something like this, you know? And there's, I'm, I'm like, third in line, and she's been messing with this guy over here. Well, in walks three or four other people. And um, this lady was very distressed that the girl wouldn't put her right to the front of the line because my phone won't work, and it's your phone, and I just bought this thing here a month and a half ago and all this stuff. So I said, I decided to take over and help at the AT&T store. So I said, let me, let me have your phone there, ma'am, and, and let me see if I can just help you out with something. So I started looking into this thing, and I'm seeing all this different stuff, and I don't, she had like 30,000 emails. The whole thing was clogged up. There was no more memory. No, I said, do you ever, what do you have all these emails? You've got 80,000 coupons from Bed Bath & Beyond in here. You need to go over there and buy something and get rid of the coupon. But anyway, I fixed her phone for her just by deleting all the emails. So if you got a slow phone, you might want to look into that one there. Take an online certification course, download a Duolingo, and learn a language. Declutter your closet and make dinner for your family. So there's, folks, a whole bunch of ways that you can, according to this lady, waste your time. Not one of the places that I looked on the Internet there, and I studied these for a, maybe an hour this morning or something, there was not anything out there about sit down with your Bible and study. Sit down and pray to God for a little while. That's not a Maybe they don't consider that a waste of time. But in the, in, the, in the society we live in right now, they would either certainly look at that as foolishness, or maybe they do, or, or maybe they wouldn't think it was a waste of time to people that are, you know, uh, uh, committed to that sort of a thing. So anyhow, you get in here and you start looking at these things, and, and you, just, um, you just have to... Decide what you're going to put your, where you're going to place your priorities here. And so that's what the whole purpose of this lesson is. One of the greatest and most valuable gifts God has given to us is time. We are each given the same limited amount of time each day, and God teaches us his promises for the stewardship of our time. So here's what we're going to try to do in this lesson. And before we get started, we'll stop and have a word of prayer. But here's what our objective is here. At the conclusion of this lesson, students should have an awareness of what God's priorities are for their time, understand the dangers of the many relatively unimportant activity, activities that vie for their time, and desire to spend their time in that which matters for eternity. 
Yeah, we got a little bit, we got a vapor on this earth, right? But then there's a whole eternity and that's probably where we ought to be concentrating our, our time and our efforts. Establish a priority list that will enable them to properly channel the use of their time. All right, and then here's what we're going to be doing. The priority of time, awake to salvation, awake to God's priorities, the preservation of time, a cautious walk, a calculated walk, and then the purpose of time. Seek the wisdom of God and seek the will of God. So... Before we get started here, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the time that you've allowed us here this morning. We just ask that you would help us to be efficient in our studies, that we would have an open heart and open mind to what you're providing for us here today. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. amen. So as an introduction here, they give us some, they give us some facts of, of a matter here. If life is a gift, then time is the vehicle by which that, uh, which it's delivered to us every day. We have starts at 12.01 and goes on till 12 o'clock the next night or whatever and everything. Um, each day we live, we have at our disposal 24 hours. That's 1,440 minutes or 86,400 seconds. Now, I've never looked at it like that before. I kind of look at things in a, you know, how many hours there are in a day and stuff. And you guys might feel the same way as I am. You say you might have the feeling that there just aren't enough hours in a day to get everything done, you know. Um, and, and, and that to me, Patty works with me out at our shop out there and everything. She's around me more than any human being on this planet. And she can tell you that I'm kind of a scatterbrain. I get so many things going on sometimes, it's hard for me to get anything accomplished. And so I have to, I have to set myself up some priorities, some to-do list and to, and to, you know, deal with those things purposely deliberately deal with things that are on my, on my list. But um, here, here's, but so, so that, what I just read to you there is a fact. Here's somebody's opinion about this. It's, and this is the illustration in the, in the lesson here. Someone calculated how a typical lifespan of 70 years is spent. Listen to this. 23 years of that spent sleeping. All right, yep, I like to sleep, that's always good. Um, work, 16 years uh, you spend working. Television, eight years of our time we spend watching television. Now, I can tell you unequivocally that we don't spend that much time watching television. Patty and I just don't, we don't watch, I've never been a big TV watcher. If I watch stuff, it's the Andy Griffith show or something like that. I like to watch that. We, we watch some of the couple of the series there, The Chosen. By the way, those movies are back out and operating now, and they are absolutely wonderful. We've seen, we've seen what, what was it, six, uh, four through six there over uh, on Saturday night, I guess it was. Anyway, eating, six years of our time spent eating. Now, <laughs> I might take up some of my TV time with the eating time, so I might have a little bit more than that. Travel, six years. Um, leisure, four and a half years is the amount of time we spend in, in leisure. Illness, now I would have never thought this, illness, four years of our life is spent being ill. You know, I don't know how they calculate this stuff. Um, I kind of, I went through, you know, the first probably 55 years or so of my life, I'm 61 now, without hardly ever having any illness, and now every time I turn around it seems like something is wrong. So maybe you catch up on the, on the back end of that a, a little bit. This was interesting here, dressing, putting your clothes on. Two years worth of time spent dressing. <laughs> now, I, it takes me about, I'd say, 20 seconds to dress in the morning when I'm going out to work on something. 
Uh, takes me a little longer to put my suit on in the morning here on Sunday, but uh, um, yeah, I don't know if I spend that much time. Here's the sad, here's the sad part. Religion. One half of a year, 0.5 years on our religion. That's 0.7% of the time that we spend in our life spent on our religion or on our faith. All right? Now, they don't, they don't quantify in this who the people were that they surveyed or who they talked to or how they came up with this stuff. It, it might be that, that that half a year is spent on people who are steeped in a certain religion where they only go to church one time a week and they don't do anything else. I would hope in Christianity that we're actually spending more of our time on our, uh, and I don't like to call it religion. That just to me is kind of a, religion just has a negative connotation or something. On our faith is where we want to look at it. Um, and he writes right in here, I don't know if the estimate's accurate, but it does remind me that the ability to steward our time wisely is vital. Quote, listen, this is a Benjamin Franklin thing. Dost thou love life, then do not squander time, for it is the stuff life is made of. Boy, Ben Franklin, I, 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 want, I want to meet that guy one of these days. Just as with life itself, we have three options for how we use our time. We can waste it, spend it, or invest it wisely by stewardship. All right. So here you're first fill in the blank here, the priority of time, priority of time. Most people enter each day on a treadmill, you guys can probably relate to this, I know I certainly can, um, of meaningless routines. Each day is a repeat of the last and they go to bed to catch, up, catch the rest they need to do it all over again tomorrow. Routines are of course beneficial, but only as they contribute to an overall picture of success. Our lives should be more than getting up, going to work, coming home, watching the news, going to bed, and repeating the cycle the next day. Yeah, it sounds like a washing machine, doesn't it? Um, and it can be tiresome and can be burdensome that way. There's no, there's no question about it. One of the things that I love about my job is that there's no routineness to it whatsoever. Every time I get to my place of employment, it's a different, it's a different set of circumstances every day. It's thought-provoking, it's, it's challenging, and all that stuff. I have never been a person that would ever last five minutes going to a job where I just do the same thing over and over again like a factory worker or something. God bless the people that do that. I'm happy that people are content with those kind of jobs and everything, but boy, that's just not, that's just not for me. And so um, the priority of time. Awake to salvation. Now this is where we start getting into the, the scripture some here. Paul admonished us to wake up and Christ will give us light. Awake to salvation. That's a fill in the blank there. Ephesians 5.14 says this. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. These passages speak, first of all, those who've never came to the light of Jesus Christ. So you could be teaching a class like this in front of a thousand people, right? And, and so you talk about these things, and there'd certainly be someone in that class probably that hasn't uh, come to know Christ as their Savior. There may be somebody in church this morning that hasn't. We might have a visitor or something in here. All these different things. We're always supposed to be pointing people to Christ as we go through our lives here. And so um, they may have been religious but lost. Paul challenges them to awaken from their life without Christ. And so here's what it says in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. It says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon them and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. 
So even if you miss the boat the first time, if you come back to God, he'll abundantly pardon you. That's what it's talking about here with, with this. Here's the condition of these people. They are spiritually dead and they need to arise to repentance, which means turning to Christ. That's what we all need to be doing, and that's what we need to be doing as Christians, is telling people, provoking them, moving them in that direction. Isaiah 61, 60, verse 1 says, This arise, shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And then, uh, this is an interesting thing here. I put a, I put in a little asterisk next to this. I don't, I don't want you folks to ever think that I'm skipping over ever, anything in these lessons. So even stuff that's supposed to be secret to the teacher, I asterisk him, and I'm going to tell you what it says here. It says this right here. You may wish at this time to present a simple plan of salvation without being awake through salvation. All other uses of our time are meaningless, and they will make no difference in eternity. That would be my prayer that nobody in this room right now needs to know about Christ as their Savior. Everybody seems to be in that condition here. But if you're not, if you question it, if you wonder about it, and I had a guy who I've just become very dear friends with here in the last, uh, what have we known, Jan and, and Brett, Brent for what, about six months maybe or something now? You know, he come to me one, the first time I ever met the man, within two minutes we were talking about the Lord, just that fast, you know? And it was his provoking of it, not me, which was an odd, kind of an odd thing for me. And um, anyway, the, uh, uh, he says, man, I, gotta, I just got to tell you something, brother. I went and I got, I got saved again. I says, oh, you got saved again. And I got baptized again. And I said, wow, you got to tell me that story. I'm really anxious to hear about that. All of that happened way in his youth. He's a man that's older than I am now. I guess he's, what, 64 or 65 years old, something along those lines. And he said, yeah, several years ago, I just start really struggling with my whole salvation. And whether or not once I'm saved, I'm always saved and, and, and this sort of thing, you know. And so we had a long talk about that, and he told me his story, and that was what he... Now, there's no question that the man is saved, and he is firm in it now, but he had those, he had those questions, and so... You never know, man, I don't, I don't know, God knows your heart, I don't, none of the people in this room knows anything about us other than what God knows about your heart and where you're at with that aspect of your life. So anyway, that's what it says here. Here's what uh, Henry David Thoreau says about this. As if you could kill time without injuring eternity. Well, think about that. that when I, I read that three or four times and I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I, get, I get that. And then lo and behold, this is just the way God works. And you've got to remember, I have a warped mind. I'm a, I'm not, I, even, I told Patty this morning, I said, that girl right there, I think she thinks I'm crazy. And, 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 uh, and she says, you are crazy, Jeff. You are. So there. Touche, right? I'm sitting there looking some stuff up on YouTube this morning, some of the commentary and a couple other things, and on my computer. And I see this song that came up when I was looking about killing time. Now, have you all ever heard of a fellow named Clint Black? Oh, yes. oh, now here we are, we're in Texas. Everybody knows Clint Black, but nobody knows Al Stewart. See, that's a, to me, that's a problem because I'm from Ohio. But Clint Black, he's got a song out called Killing Time. You've heard the song, right? Do you know what it means? Do, did you look carefully at the lyrics? Oh, it's... I listened to it a couple times. It's actually quite a good song. I'll probably listen to it again sometime. But anyway, interesting song here, Clint Black, 
killing time. Lyrics, he, I, I don't know if he lost a girlfriend or a wife or, or what the story was, but he's just going through this whole thing about just killing time. That's what I'm doing right now. And later on, he says, I might still be killing time in eternity. Now, I'm not sure exactly what he means by that. I haven't looked into it that far. But all of this stuff here, just it was amazing to me that right after reading this quote, I see this song. And it's like, wow, that guy is talking about like what David... Uh, Henry David Thoreau just talked about here with this whole killing time, and you might even still be doing that, that later on if you're not careful. Anyhow, that was, a, that was free. You don't have to pay me for that. All right. Awake to God's priorities. Awake to God's priorities. We're on B there. And uh, here's what it says here. Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. That's true. The second greatest gift is time. That's also true. The way we spend our second greatest gift will by and large determine to what extent we're able to share the first greatest gift. Well, I like the way you worded that. That's pretty cool, the way that Paul Chapel wrote that. Look back over your last week. Have you been truly awake, realizing and using the time God has given you? Yeah, I sat there and thought about that for a few minutes. Answer, probably no, um, was what my answer was. Are your moments being spent in the ways that contribute to fulfilling God's will for your life? God's will for, for, for my life is still undetermined. I'm trying to get that figured out. Please pray for me along those lines. Are you investing in eternity by investing in people, loving your spouse, spending time with your children, witnessing to your co-workers, encouraging godly friends, and ministering to others? These are eternal priorities that must be woven into the fabric of our days. Boy, there's not a, there, there's not a might there. It's, those things must be woven in. They, that's a that's an imperative when it's written like that. Shall or must, you have to, you have to do it. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, here's Harvey McKay. He wrote this. This is a quote right in, the, right in the lesson here. I don't know who Harvey McKay is. Haven't looked him up. Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty deep. Next fill in, the preservation of time. And then we look into a cautious walk. If we are to accomplish God's will for our lives, we must take heeds, heed to Paul's admonition. Ephesians 5.15 says this, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. To be circumspect means to be cautious and vigilant to walk intelligently, to keep the entire area in view. You know, we talked about that when we were talking about the discipling and, and, and handing out tracts and all that kind of stuff and praying for God to put some opportunities in your, in your path as you go through life and everything. And, and that's kind of a big picture thing. You gotta be very observant about what's, what's going on here to, to do these things. We need to, why the need for such alertness? God warns us from the outset that we have an enemy who seeks to devour our lives and our time. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh around, seeking whom he may devour. Boy, he's looking for dinner out there. Satan wants every human being to end up in hell with him, 
He doesn't like it when people come to Christ. Those of us that are in Christ, we have this gigantic target on our back, so we got to really be careful about what, we're, about what we're doing here. Satan will do all he can to destroy your time on earth. Listen, if he can't destroy it with sinful living, he will devour you by eating up your time with activities of no eternal value. Boy, when I read that, I said, Jeff, that's where you're at. You just do so many things that are just a waste of your time when you could be doing other things that would, uh, would be eternal. Either way, the end result is the same, a wasted life. This is why you must purposely steward your time. You must guard against Satan's tactics and live to accomplish God's purposes. The statement is common in our days. We're just hanging out. What does that mean? It surely doesn't mean we're, that we're on guard, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We don't want to be devoured by our adversary. Right? That's not what it's doing. Normally, when we're just hanging out, we're just wasting our time. We're just not doing anything. You know. We live in a period of time which sin abounds as never before, but this also means opportunities for living for God are, are abounding too. You talk about the fields being white for, waiting for the harvest, right? His fields are prepared. You just look around out there, folks. People are hungry. They just can't get enough of somebody telling them the truth about something because the truth is pretty stinking hard to find, you know. Try to find out the dimensions of a bolt nowadays. I mean, that's even hard to find anymore, it seems like. It's crazy. I know how to read a micrometer, but some of this time it doesn't look like it's supposed to look, and then when you get it, the threads don't work right. And it's like, is there anything that just is what's on the package anymore? You know? We live in a period which the, the, the opportunities abound. This is not to, the time to waste our lives in frivolous activities. As one author observed, more time is wasted not in hours but in minutes. A bucket with a small hole in the bottom gets just as empty as a bucket that's deliberately kicked over. I never looked at it like that. That's the truth, though. Put a small hole, it takes a little while, but the end result's the same thing. You have an empty bucket, minutes at a time, wasted instead of hours or days at a time, still ends up with a wasted life. An empty life is what it boils down to. Because Satan is actively working to devour our lives in the minutes of which they are comprised, we must purposefully use our time for eternity. We must plan to redeem every moment for the glory of God. Here's, a, uh, here's an illustration here, and I'm just going to go through this quickly because it's about a page and a half long. Um, every mother, mother who's allowed her child to play near a lake or a creek or a canyon or near a rocky ledge or any of this kind of stuff always tells them, honey, be careful of the edge. You're going to fall over. You're going to get hurt if you do that. We had occasion when we were down in Hocking Hills, I think it was, in, in Ohio, middle of the winter out there in a cabin. And our kids are running around on all these ledges and stuff like that, and, and we're just having a good time looking at them. And then I slipped on some ice. And I thought, my kids are running on ledges that are full of ice right now. <laughs> yeah, you talk about, a, I mean, that right now to just think of, they were little kids when they were doing this. So right now it just, uh, I, I, I've shaked just even thinking about what could have happened. And then we called them back, corralled them. Nobody got hurt or anything, but be careful. She knows the importance of good balance in such places. If one slip of the foot could mean a serious injury. When God tells us to walk circumspectly, he's underscoring the need for us to have balance, pay attention to what we're doing, and to be able to do things in a timely fashion. Listen, this lesson about our time here 
when you get through the thing, you're going to realize it's not, a, it's not a stick in the mud. God's not saying, look, all you, you, the only thing you can do is be out here working for me, period. Our life ought to be a testimony. But listen, we've got other things as Christians that we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to have relationships with people, unsaved people as well as saved people. Dif- different priorities with those relationships, but relationships nonetheless. And so this thing goes on and it talks about God is just pay attention to what you're doing here. Walk circumspectly. We don't want to get into the precarious areas of our lives. Even good use of our time have dangerous possibilities when we neglect the balance of them. Patty tells me this all the time. Jeff, you've got to learn to balance your time. You've got to learn what's, what, you, what the important things are and leave all this extraneous garbage to the side or let somebody else do the things that you don't need to be wasting your, your time on there. Survival requires that we learn to walk with balance. It's not possible to give too much of our lives to the Lord. He deserves our all. But it is entirely possible, even with pure intentions, to live an unbalanced life. When we engage all of our time in one pursuit, injury is sure to follow. That's true. Listen, I can, I can tell you that 100%. It's happened in my life. I've, I've dedicated all kinds of time to certain things. And uh, in the end of it, it's just, it, just like we talk about in Ecclesiastes. It's vanity. It's not, it's not really what we should be doing here. How can we avoid losing our balance and slipping over the edge? We must allocate our time so that we steward all of the resources that God has given to us, including health, family, finances, service, and service to the Lord. Unfortunately, balance is easily, more easily preached than practiced. Yeah, um, there's lots of things in our life that are more easily uh, said than done, right? I mean, they're, they're, that stuff is all over the place. God is going to help us with finding our equilibrium, but we've got to, we've got to be sensitive uh, to him during these times. So the next part here, B, a calculated walk. Calculated is one of the words to fill in there. God warns us that the evil days we live in show us the value of our time. Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And we talked about this a little bit already. But redeem is from the Greek word, Exogarazo, which means by payment of a price to recover from the power of another to ransom or to buy off. So we got to redeem our time. Time is from the Greek word kairos, which means a fixed and definite time, the time when things are brought to crisis, the decisive epoch waited for, opportune or seasonable time, the right time, a limited period of time, We are to, by payment of a price, recover this limited period of time because the days are evil. Our opportunity to redeem the time is now, and our opportunity may be limited. Mark 13, 33 states it like this. Take heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. All right. And then, uh, listen to this. This is a very interesting illustration that's that's in the series here. Imagine your bank calls you up and they want to pilot a new program they're putting in place at the bank. Everybody gets this free checking. You get free checking, right? Yeah, it's free of interest too, by the way. And um, uh, then if you only keep a certain balance, there's all kinds of fine print when you do that. But this is a new pilot program the bank, uh, the bank wants you to do. It's very lavish and simple. Each morning, the bank will credit your account with $86,400. That, that number sound familiar? 86,400 seconds in a day. 
$86,400 in your bank account. Here's the, here's the catch, though. Which you will be free to spend or invest as you please. But every night, your account will close with a balance of zero. It will carry no balance from day to day, meaning that you must spend or invest a deposit each day or it will, or it will be wasted. If most of us had such an opportunity, we would manage to find good use for the $86,400 every day. I don't know if I'd be able to spend that much money every day. Patty might say, you, sp you do spend that much money every day, Jeff, it seems like. But anyway, um, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, I think you'd be hard pressed to get rid of these guys that, you know, have billions and billions of dollars. I know Bill Gates, him and his ex-wife now, I guess, they had, a, they had a foundation there that all they did, they had, I think there were like 10 people hired and all they did was give away money. That was, they would vet different places and give away money. Good use of, of your money. I hope that Bill Gates and his wife were not trying to buy their way into heaven like that. I don't like the guy. I think his politics are all bad and all that stuff, but I hope that he finds Christ as a savior so that he doesn't have to spend eternity in hell at the end of all this. The truth is you do have a bank that credits your account each morning. It, its name is Time, and it generously gives you 86,400 seconds daily, but like the bank we described above every morning, the non-refundable deposit is canceled by evening. Whether you don't spend or invest it is wasted. Failure to use the day's deposit results in an irreplaceable loss. A wise steward of time learns to redeem his or her moments from the bank of today and invest them into the bank of eternity. Boy, I like that. Eternity knows nothing about the fleeting nature of time, and anything deposit there will be forever preserved. So there was a little, uh, there was a little, that was just the first bell, right? Yeah, there was a little story that I, I read here the other day when I was kind of getting into this, and it was a... Uh, it was a thing where, where a guy says something like, uh, I'm going to mess this all up. He's having a conversation with God. And, uh, and uh, he says to God, so the Bible says that a second to you is like a thousand years, right? And God says, yes, sir, that's, that's true. And uh, he says, do you, have any other, do you have any other questions? And he said, so um, it... Uh, it means that you could, that, that probably nothing else means anything to you too, like, like $1,000, like you could give me $1,000, it wouldn't be anything to do. And all I would have to, the Bible says, all I have to do is ask and you'll give it to me. And God says, yes, that's, that's absolutely right. And he said, well, would you give me $1,000 then? And God said, give me a second. <laughs> okay, everybody got that joke, right? A joke is no good if you have to explain it. Anyway. <laughs> This is the heart of Paul's instruction in this passage, Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 here. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This passage instructs us to develop an eternal value system for our time. We redeem today when we invest it into eternity before it expires. When we thus invest our time, the results will last forever. So there's a question here then, how are we investing our time? How did we invest our time over this past weekend, let's say? Tomorrow's Monday, get started. New, new, new week started right now on Sunday, right? Tomorrow morning we start our secular week. Everybody goes off to work and all that stuff. This is you go through your week here. Think about these things. How are you gonna, how are you gonna spend 10 seconds with somebody? How you, what, what, can you, what can you say to somebody in 10 seconds that might impact their life for eternity? 
What could, you, what could you say to somebody in an hour that might really impact their life? We certainly go around and, and talk to people and give people all kinds of time of ours talking about different things. I get phone calls every day. Some of them will last a whole hour wanting advice about things and what have you. In a lot of cases, none of those have any eternal value whatsoever. There's somebody asking a question about airplanes or something of this nature, and I try to generously give my time to that. But I also try to generously give my time over to the things that, that God would want us to, to do. So just something to think about as we go through the, the week here. All right, and we've got just a, just a couple more minutes, so I'll give you on three here. The purpose of time. That's the next one here that, uh, that you can fill in the blank on. And we won't get started on that because that's a page and a half long. Does anybody have any questions, comments, concerns? Did everybody get all the fill in the blanks? All right. Well, we'll get out here about a minute and a half early. Oh, I, wait a minute. I just thought of something here. Yeah, everybody looks up. Oh, no. What's he going to say now? I do have a question. That, uh, that song we sang, Bringing in the Sheaves, right? Yep, Bringing in the Sheaves. Bring. Um, I was reading here the other day in a disciple, a, a book that Patty gave me about the, the lives of the disciples. And there's a song uh, to that tune of bringing in the sheaves to remember all the disciples' names. Have any, has anybody ever heard that before? No. Nobody's ever heard it? You, uh, did somebody say they have heard it? No? All right, I can't hear that good. But anyway, that'll be interesting. I'll bring that in and maybe you can adapt the music to it. And we, can, we can sing that some morning in Sunday school. I couldn't remember the tune. I was like, how is that bringing in the sheaves? I kind of know that song, but I couldn't quite get it right. And I couldn't get it to flow in line with the disciples' name. And those guys, I still don't know who they all were. I'm going to get their names wrong when we get to heaven because I can't remember. It was this guy and this guy. He used to be called that guy, and he changed his name to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. All right, folks. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll be done for the day. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us. We thank you for the time of fellowship here. We'd ask now that you'd bring um, a message to us, Lord, that would, would prick our hearts and our minds and that we would apply applicability to our lives with these things. Be with the preacher as he brings us that message this morning. We thank you and we love you in Christ's name. Amen.